Hello, this is Replacement Level Morality. My name is Joseph. My name is Andrew. You are a salty son of a bitch, as I just said, uh, prior to us starting to roll, sir. Uh, we're, we're good friends on the show. <laughs> Andrew and I were in the middle of a debate, essentially, if you could quantify human impact in the community with a dollar value. And I was contending that it is impossible. And then Andrew... Andrew refused to accept this as an answer, and we got into quite a fun, a very fun argument about yeah. the difference of everyone having a price versus something being it's itself being assigned a value. How many times do I have to tell you to record? Every, <laughs> like, just press record immediately because some of it is going to be perfect for just like a ten second or a minute clip on the YouTube. Well, I will say that our conversation lightened my mood a bit because otherwise I think I downed an entire bottle of black pills over the last seven days. I I prefer whiskey, but, you know, you do you. (laughs) I, I think I formulated my thoughts pretty well on this, but there's one particular incident that I think crystallizes the decline for me specifically in terms of the trajectory I've watched over the last six, seven, eight years. And so I want to ask you a quick question. Do you have any awareness of the incidents that occurred at Evergreen College back in the middle 2010s? No, this doesn't ring a bell. I might remember the events as you tell them, but the name certainly doesn't mean anything to me. This was an incident at a extremely granola-y public university in Washington state. In fact, I think it's in Olympia. So the very pine forested part of Washington state. And this very, very known to be for hippies and burnouts and uh, relatively far left political uh, folks it had a lot of strange traditions that involved racial politics. And in one instance, a professor there by the name of Eric Weinstein, a name I know you've heard of. Yes. Objected to it mildly. And when he objected to it mildly and in- initiated a days long, violent riot slash takeover of the university and its grounds by its students to the point where Weinstein couldn't go back to the grounds, nor could his wife, the, these, these protesters demanded and eventually received the resignation of the campus police chief. What you can't, you can't do that. So, you, so you've you, never heard of this. You've no. never heard of any of this. Oh, oh, good. No. Oh, good. Okay. Like, what? You can't just take over land. We did a whole episode about, you know, the 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 police with shields come and I, I'm pleased you've make never, you you've, leave. You've not remember. You don't know about this. So, this was a circumstance where the police were told that they were not allowed to intervene in the riot by the administration. The administration negotiated with these mobs and caved into their desires and ultimately were forced into settlements of by the Weinsteins who, you know, essentially said, you've just prevented me from ever being able to work here anymore. You owe me money. So it launched his career because he, he opposed what was happening. And then he went on Tucker Carlson to talk about it because no one else would cover it. So. The campus police was prevented from acting, correct? Correct. What about state police? Like at some point, you can't just take territory from the state as an occupying well, force. I think there was a lot of wariness because af- after the initial rush of like violent incidents, there wasn't any violent incidents on purpose. So, like the state police didn't have cause to intervene necessarily. It was a very nebulous circumstance where 
there was a standoff and ultimately it was essentially solved by the campus closing until the end of the year and everyone just had to go home. And that's how they kind of broke it up. But if, if Weinstein had entered, he would have been attacked. Yes. Almost so assuredly. It, there's a threat of violence. Mm-hmm. Seems like that's something that cops should do something about. So threats of violence. This wild nonsense occurred, right? It became a big story. But mostly in right-wing media circles, because the left-wing media obviously found this all extremely embarrassing. And it was sort of a figure of noteworthiness, but didn't. But there wasn't any sort of sense on the right of like, oh, this is every college. It's like, oh, look at this weird, nutty college in the middle of fucking nowhere in Washington, where apparently this is where all the people from Tumblr went. Apparently they went to this place, right? Like... The people that took this place over were all 2015 Tumblr, Tumblr stereotypes from uh, pink haired they thems, overweight people in wheelchairs, uh, people who were talking about their trans two spiritness back way before anyone knew what any of this was. Right? Can't can't miss this stuff now, right? Like this stuff is is out in front, you know, and whether you like it or not. Yeah, it did kind of when, as we said before, when Tumblr was banned, this all kind of escaped the lab. It did. It was like the COVID of the internet. It infected everywhere and it spread quickly. So that was all seen as deeply embarrassing for that university, that it was an unserious place where these things couldn't happen. And there was like one other high profile incident at the time of some university at the uh some professor at the University of uh, Missouri who like threatened a student during a protest by having like students remove him from an area. And it was very authoritarian and that professor got fired for that. And that was it. But in the wake of all of this, Eric Weinstein said, you don't understand. You seem to think that this was just evergreen college. You were wrong. Evergreen College is just ahead of the curve. I can see what's going to happen. I can look and and look back from my position now, and I can tell you this is like five years away from happening to every college. Because the people that I can know started this nonsense here and caused this to be, they're now entering into what you would call elite left academia, like the Ivy Leagues and that sort of thing. And like everyone's like, yeah, of course, no, no. You think Yale or Harvard or, or an institution of that level of that level would ever give purchase to this kind of nonsense? Are you kidding me? They'd rather be caught dead. The most elite places of learning on the planet. Oops. And then not only oops on that specifically, but what happened this week was Riley Gaines. Did you see what happened to her? Yeah, she booked of an event at San Francisco state university for turning point USA to do. She's on a speaking tour talking about how she shouldn't have been exposed to Leah Thomas's intact genitalia, male genitalia while swimming at the NCAA meet. And this is absurd that this is being permitted to occur. We're, we're going to be very clear about there are men and there are women and, there's identifiers for this information that are very reliable. <laughs> they have a big impact on sports and also safety um, and decency, normal human decency that we've, you know, we've tend to follow over the last you know, a couple thousand years. And when she went to this gig, she was confronted by a mob that directly assaulted her, did so on camera without masks and in front of police on purpose and continued to attack her until she had to hide and then attempt escape. That's what happened. That's where we're at now. Evergreen was a funny story about this weird liberal arts enclave in the middle of fucking nowhere five years ago. And now you've got a mainline California institution, not only part of the UC system, but you know, part of the public education system of, of California, where if you try to have a conservative uh, uh, 
speaking event featuring discussion that like there's differences between men and women. If she didn't get a police escort out of the building, that mob would have beaten her to death. Probably. That seems bad. I, it's why I swat, like there's, I thought that maybe we were in the turn and then the midterms didn't work out the way that I think a lot of people were hoping to throw the brakes on this and they got fucking arrogant and they put the pedal to the metal because they feel like they've got such capture of enough institutions that they can be as freakish and degenerate as they want. And no one is going to stop them because their own, only their own side can because they control the institution. Because what happened at San Francisco state university, the Dean came out and uh, gave them plaudits for protesting and told them that they'll have time to heal. Didn't apologize for a moment for these obvious crimes that were committed on her campus by her students, expelled no one, spoke not even a negative word about anyone. The university was party to a potential deadly assault on one of its speakers and thanked the people who tried to commit the potential murder. I think your case is strong enough without overstating it. I don't think I'm overstating it. Potential murder... The odds of her getting beaten to death without a security escort are pretty high. We've already established that. Are pretty high. Yeah. But I don't know, just from like a practical perspective, I think you lose more people when you're like, hey, when you're when you go that far beyond what can be established. No, we've established video evidence. I don't know. We've we've established it. Like we, we have the video evidence. We can see the mob and its desire to hurt her. People can look at the same incident and have different interpretations. Even you, you can see the clear and present danger and say they probably would have killed her. Most people have very little experience with mob violence and like don't have that much danger that they don't have that good of a sense of how dangerous a mob is. They're like, oh, nobody there wanted to kill her. Like, yeah, we agree. Nobody wanted to kill her. But, but then she wound up dead. <laughs> like and then suddenly suddenly there was just a lot of violence and there wasn't a lot of control because your lizard brain took over and no one had to, to say went go there the intent of killing someone to find end them find up killing them because that's how humans work yeah uh, and to, th- to continue the prosecute everyone theme of the show the like i think if the mob on january 6th like found aoc they probably kill her even though if you asked any of those individuals prior to that event are you hoping to kill aoc today they're like no what the hell is wrong with you like that exactly. I, I agree that's why that, you can't have that that's why that was so completely unacceptable i agree that that's how mob dynamics work i just think your case is stronger if you just say hey this is an assault and this is completely undisputable anyway that's that's kind of a i don't think it's over selling it for this reason. And this is, this goes back to why I gave all the black spilt pills, because this is the point. This is what they're attempting to create. They are setting the groundwork to be able to summon mobs and for mobs to, to be pointed at the things they want them to be pointed at because they can see its power. Right. If you're a potential conservative on the campus of San Francisco state university, are you going to share a single fucking word of your opinions to anyone? Anywhere? No. I mean, that was also true of a lot of people with like vaguely right of center views when I was when I was in school. Like it's. Well, there's a difference between I don't want to get into an argument and I don't want to get stabbed. (laughs) Like there's a big jab jump between the two. I understand that not everyone has a confrontational personality so that they can have a a discussion with someone or even a real like heated exchange with someone over things they disagree about. Like I can do that. I like that, but that's an acquired taste. I definitely do not wish to acquire some mad stabbing motions. (laughs) You know, like I want to stay out of that business. No one wants that. So you just don't have to, you just don't say anything. But even three years ago, it wasn't, I'm afraid of confrontation. It's, I'm afraid of my career being destroyed, right? Like the, 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 
the attacks on J.K. Rowling and Dave Chappelle were not to try to silence J.K. Rowling and Dave Chappelle. That's not the point. The point was, this is what we can do, and you don't have fu money like they do. So you you have to shut up and bear it. Uh, there's there's a difference there, but it's not that different to like we will destroy your life by making you unhireable and we will destroy your life via threats of physical attacks. But neither, like, obviously both of those are very bad. Uh, <laughs> I, I Hot takes here. Hot takes. Regardless if you choose to see the event as darkly as I do or with a slight touch of cream as you would, the... The end result is the same, which is we are in an acceleratory phase. We are in a phase when a transsexual can shoot up a grade school and the left-wing political party of the United States and its adherents will spend the next week not uttering a single word of mourning for the children that were so brutally killed uh, in service to this transsexual's ideology, but instead hold days of transsexual awareness and solidarity and approval expressed at the highest possible mountaintop of the country for not the victims, but the identity of the killer. Uh, we are in a phase where there is not an expectation of the left using the levers of power to do anything but try and suppress the right. Like they won't even hide that as their intention any anymore. That they are explicit in that intention. I, I, I think we had our last chance to swerve back into normality and to civility, and instead we just took the hard turn off the off the cliff. Like it's naked power politics now, and that's just it. We're going to try and and defeat the other side and 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 run them from the land and sow their fields with salt. That's a strong reaction to a midterm election. Nobody cares about midterms. That's not what, like, I voted against Steve Chabot because screw you because you didn't legalize weed. Like, that's not <laughs> what the, that's not what the midterms meant. Right? I'm not talking about like most voters though. I'm talking about where the people who run the institutions are going. They don't fear losing anymore. Sure, but again. <sighs> They have been restrained by the thought that they could lose power. They are now convinced that they can't. In most of the Cold War, a lot of university professors were on the wrong side. A lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, people in the heights of power being insulated from the real world is not a new problem. Uh, and, like, I, I – so I want to start by saying, like, I'm 80% of the way with you. Like – this is all very bad, but you have told me for many years of my life that it has to get worse before it gets better. And if there is to be a turning point, it was not going to be with a zero number of assaults like this. This was priced in that people had to realize how bad it is that you can't go give a talk. And it's, just, it's barely a news event on the mainstream media. That has to happen, but at, at such a large scale that it's, its loudness is unavoidable. Like, and, it doesn't matter who your media interlocutor is. You just see it. You just know it to be true. And a school shooting with six casualties is not loud enough. No. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. It's not. You're, I, and that's why I think I'm – I honestly did – fool myself into overreading some things and thinking that we were in that we had had gone through the it got worse and now we were in the, going to get into the it got better that they just they started kept staring into the abyss kept staring into the abyss kept staring into the abyss and then okay all right we're done we're pulling up as you inevitably must but no you're right like they 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 have not gone far enough down yet and it's going to there will have to be way more bodies that come from inevitable violent episodes um, over the next probably 12 months, maybe 18 months through basically the election. 
and maybe culminating with it. I I still think you're thinking too too short term. I think Biden could be reelected. And in 28, we'd have a chance to pull out. Like, that's just... The same thing happened with the Ukraine war, where people just kind of kept expecting it to end. It's like, no, these things happen on a scale of years and decades, not months. Social media and a 24-hour news cycle has gotten us so used to everything happens, and it and the... (laughs) part of what made the Trump era fun was that things would happen. And then people would make the joke that the writers have to move the story along. So the next (laughs) thing just happened. Yeah. It was nice. It was great for Twitter. It was great for the 24 hour news cycle. There was always a new thing. Every day. We are talking about a generational shift in the types of people that exist in the commanding heights of our power structures that will happen over decades, not years, not months. I'm talking more about the physical violent stage of it than the whole system change. I agree with you. The system change is something that's going to require years, if not decades of, of effort. But there's going to be a particular violent period of this where it becomes the large thing you can't ignore anymore. Right? I totally agree. I I think that happens sooner. And then that's when you have the larger struggle of trying to fix the wound that has been created. And that will take a great deal of time. If, If she had been beaten to death, it would have been a start. I think you're right. I think Riley Gaines literally got beat to death on camera. That might have helped kickstart this, but she left without being seriously harmed, which is good. But at the same time, delays the reckoning even further. Like we're going to see so much of this. And I don't think we're at the worst of it. I think we're at the start of it. Are you familiar with the Judge Duncan episode at Stanford? Uh, This is when the woke law students showed up with like signs saying that they hoped his daughter got raped. That is in fact it. Yeah. I heard all about it. I made this point in our episode about election denialism, where I think my take was really clever and nobody wants to hear about election denialism. So nobody cared, which is unfortunate, but like we exist on this continuum between norms of politeness and physical violence. And when nobody gets expelled for holding up a sign that says, I hope your daughter gets raped, that sends you further down the path towards physical violence because, well, there sure aren't norms and uh, we are a species that is aspiring to be better than a bunch of tribes throwing rocks at each other over control of resources and sometimes succeeding. That is the kind of ignorant thing that only a spoiled rich law student without children could possibly say and not understand what they're saying. And the sympathy that was shamefully expressed by the Stanford administration for I'm glad that you're here. I, I understand why you're upset that someone with views that you disagree with is on campus and we're going to punish none of you. That can exist in a world of peace. That can exist in a world where the spiral into violence won't touch them. And I, I keep coming back to this because it's so perfectly metaphorical, but the 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 i don't even, i don't remember which city it is but the riots ended the day that they showed up outside the mayor's office yeah yeah i was making that joke with with stevie that was i believe in st louis they went to a bougie neighborhood in st louis including the mayor's house and the next day there were no more protests allowed yeah immediately like it's all fun and games until you get to the rich liberals neighborhoods and then it comes to a screaming halt 
nice woke liberalism is a luxury belief. And as soon as it becomes in any way expensive in real terms, like I might have to face some of this, it ends. Uh, it's just a matter of it will get so bad that it can no longer be buried by CNN. Uh, and that's going to take a non-zero number of deaths. But it will happen. Like we've come out of worse situations as a country. I have, I have no doubt that uh, Riley Gaines' ordeal was less cosmically relevant than bleeding Kansas. It's like, and I, I mean. I, I see where you're going with this. I mean, just another log for the flame. This Tennessee legislature thing. You have this terrible crime by this transsexual shooter in this school. Because they want to push on guns to try and escape from a discussion about the shooter being a transsexual who left behind a manifesto that appears to be that it was about how they were shooting this place up because of their transsexual politics. They want to do a gun control debate to get away from that. So they mob the Capitol building under false pretenses and lead a chant using bullhorns from the floor of the legislature while this mob assaults members of the legislature as they traverse the Capitol building. Cause there's so many of them it's out of control and security wasn't ready to deal with all of these fucking zoomer children. And they kick these two, they, they kick two of the three of them out because there was two ringleaders. And then there was a third one that helped basically usher the crowd in. And she escaped getting kicked out because she pointed out that she didn't act in a undignified fashion on the floor. And that's, what part part of the accusation. So one of the lawyer, like apparent because the math changed because they expelled, expelled the other two members. They, if they lost one vote, she wouldn't kick it out. And one person was convinced by this argument and said, you're right. She, we shouldn't kick her out because her crime was different than the other two. And, um, the the two guys who got kicked out were rewarded by visits from the vice president an appearance on good morning america and immediate reappointment back to their seats by their city councils and it's like the republicans are like they they almost they, they could have gotten people killed you brought a mob we couldn't control them we have video of them assaulting members of the legislature in the hallway you did this you can't be allowed to do this. You're out of here. And all the mainstream media does is reward them with no mention as to what they did. You can't find tape of the assault on the legislative members in the mainstream media reports about it at all. You have to go direct to YouTube or Twitter to find those videos. This is really bad. And just really Shows you, like, we are to the spot where violence is going to happen and constantly. I think we've been there for years. I'm, I'm looking right now at a tweet of these three dishonorable curs smiling with their TV makeup on about to go on Good Morning America about how they're the Tennessee three, the oppressed lawmakers trying to to fix fascist Tennessee. They've even made their ready-made hero narrative. So when it comes to violence, they're just fully justifying to themselves that it was totally appropriate. They want it. They want it. They want to throw down. I don't understand that. It's not a fully thought through plan. It is like the, the idea is not let us settle this with steel with the part of the country that has all the guns. That's not the plan. The the thinking ends at the out group is bad and I hate them and someone punched them and I'm in favor of this. It sounds so it's hard to make this transition, is it? It I is. I mean and and this to be honest, 
you know, Andrew and I had a discussion about continuing the show because I've felt so pessimistic about politics lately. Like, I think, and I, I don't often get this way, but it's like maybe the time is to concentrate on retrenchment. Like, think to what actions you're going to have to take over the next 12 to 24 months to endure difficult times. And consider where what you, place you need to put yourself in so that if things grow considerably worse on a macro level over the next five years that you and your family are secure and where you should live and what you should be prepared to do and and that sort of thing. And in, in, this, in that, when you're thinking of that, it's really hard to say like, yeah, I really want to spend time exploring my thoughts about these phenomenon I'm considering because it's more and more re- reinforcement of the fact that you've reached a point where you think things are about to become considerably worse and potentially violent and that violence may at some point and not at a time of your choosing be visited upon you against your will. And if it is, you should, you're going to have to be prepared to defend yourself and perhaps others. And if such an unfortunate circumstance were to, to, to come to pass and, uh, and maybe that is a better use of not just our time, but the time of our listeners. Uh, my answer for what to do in that case is live 20 minutes away from good friends with uh, deep, <laughs> deep, deeper firearms collections than I have. The middle of the country is honestly the place to be. I mean, we are in the exact spot if you want to be <laughs> and then a snug like a bug in the rug. <laughs> uh, people will be uh, fighting each other in, in, in Pennsylvania. And... The, the Californians that the sea of of red just outside the cities, there will be violence there. Yeah, the ones We're growing be all the food, <laughs> you know, like doing all the agriculture. <laughs> yeah, those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know what state actually did figure it out in a weird way, or at least has figured it out so far? Colorado. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about Jared Polis. Colorado is the only place I've seen that has seen a red state, blue state truce in place. A durable truce at that. Yeah. Um, It's definitely a blue state. It votes Democrat. The urban population clearly outvotes the rural population. And by not, it's not close. Like there's always a talk of like, maybe this Republican can win. Republicans don't win there. And yet... I think the state's local politics have remained center to center right in character, Um, particularly on guns. I thought for sure they would collapse into a more California gun restriction state of of mind. Uh, And they have resisted that quite, quite significantly. And um, there seems to be a, a lot of respect on the part of the urbanites for the people who live in the country more so than you see in other places. And I don't know if that's because of proximity or, or what, and this is after they've seen a huge population boom too. So there's a lot of outsiders who have come in, who have adopted to this, to this truce, which seems to extend all the way to the urban centers to statewide governance. I mean, part of it's the recency, like Colorado was a swing state 20 years ago. But part of it is the things that Colorado is known for, the outdoors, the the skiing, the hiking, the um, like they know they know that the state troopers vote red and like you still have to interact with them and respect them. And like they're the ones keeping you safe in that wild wilderness. They're the yeah. ones that actually yeah, are the ones who call if you get into trouble. You You have to respect those men. There's a. Ever since I heard the word dream politique, I just keep thinking it like so much of so much of our politics is fake. It's 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 this dream world that doesn't actually exist. And it's good that people pretend that it exists. And it's good that people can pretend that it exists because that means they live a relatively peaceful and safe existence that lets you indulge in those dreams and they're real when things get real, they get, uh, we were talking about some trans issue or other. Uh, and I said, you know, if, if 
we went to a war with China, this would all fade so fast. Oh, very true. It, it, it would not it, – it wouldn't enter our mind that like the soldier wearing – the soldier with the blue hair – was the one who pulled the trigger on the J Dam that blew up the Jap- the Chinese tank? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> America, fuck yeah! <laughs> we raise, we raise uh, they them fem femboy marines here. They are built to kill. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. We are possessed of the ability to have these ridiculous fights because no, no one dares challenge us. (laughs) We are, we stand astride the world. It's conqueror. And there's, there was a lot of attempt in the news this week to make China out to being on a winning streak globally because they did like one deal in in uh, the Wan for a natural gas contract and then one deal in oil with like the UAE and Wan. And it's like, Oh, they're going to replace the dollar as the reserve currency of the world. Look at them go. They're at like 2% of the, of the global currency holdings. You know, <laughs> You know why the UAE can afford to do a deal in Juan? Because they can do all their others in the, in the fucking dollars. Exactly. That is <laughs> that is the ultimate in dream politique. That is, I can spend some on this luxury belief. I can, uh, I can. It, they're they're bluffing with seven two unsuited with yeah. Uh, I, we can we can really make America think that we might do more business in one than dollars someday. Like you will not, you won't <laughs> like, and it's something that was built for the headline. It was just China asking for this favor in exchange for something and getting it. And it serves the Gulf States because they want to like brush the Biden administration back. They, they want, they want less American interference in their world that, you know, they don't want a commentary about the way they run their fucking countries. You know, they, they're, they're trying to deal with their own problems now. And they realize that we're going to suck their, their product down. And we expect a certain price for them that they want us to fuck off. Like, this is why they decided to exchange ambassadors with Iran again. And it's like, maybe we can figure this out. Maybe we don't have to resort to the U.S. and Israel deciding to military involve themselves in, in in our lives forever, you know? So I think Saudi Arabia in particular has made peace with the existence of Israel, and they could really they, – they probably prefer having them as a potential wildcard partner. Oh, yeah. Uh, than, than the alternative. It's – they also want to negotiate on their own behalf against Iran. And try and come up with with a piece, but just between them, that doesn't involve U.S. Susan Tree over the region. They want to have Saudi Susan Tree over the region, and they they can see a path from A to B if they can convince Iran to be a slightly junior partner with them in that regard and give up their conflict. Which, you know, frankly, they the the potential is there because I feel like the religious fervor behind all of this is really gone. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, that's yep. true because the Abraham Accords happened. It's like, yes, like we already that see was the, a really big sign. <laughs> that was the biggest victory for realism. And like, well, all right, you know, all of these things that we pretend to care about. Yeah, actually, we just need to not have Iran be the regional hegemon. So, all right, Israel, let's. Let's let's team up. We don't have to like each other, but we do have to blow them up if it comes to it. And then you turn to Iran and say, listen, Americans and Europeans don't really want like the Europeans don't want to be fucking with you anymore. The Americans feel like they have to because you're doing the one thing you're not allowed to do. Right. You just you just keep trying to do the one goddamn thing you're not allowed to do. Stop they would be trying to research nukes. 
Stop. is trying to build nuclear weapons and your life will be so great, right? And what if, boys, what if we decide amongst ourselves that we're not going to do that, okay? We're going to chill, okay? And then we're we're all we're all going to take a big deep fucking breath. <laughs> And I'll be boys with Israel and Israel's going to stay where they are. And no one's going to fight wars anymore. And it's like, whatever. We got like a way to the, to, to the West this way. We can all keep bombing Syria. That's fine. It suits us. Right. And we can play small games of influence in our subsidiary States. The Gulf, you know, belongs to the Saudis and Iran gets the Levant, you know, and Turkey's involved and everyone's got their interests. Right. We're all going to still do that. We can keep creating famines in Yemen. Nobody cares. But you're going to stop trying to make nukes. And then I'm going to go to the Americans and say, I'm good with you letting them off the hook. And then that's how we're going to fix this. That's what, that's what Saudi Arabia wants. And China, all they want to be is to be seen as being involved. Like, Oh, say our name in the middle of your negotiations. (laughs) You know, just like, Hey guys, listen, wouldn't you like to also be our friends where we could be a good customer in the future? Maybe some business. What do you guys think? Huh? Basically just, it's all upside. And they're like, and also we'll piss off the Americans a little bit. We kind of want to do that because fuck them. So you like put their name in the press release. (laughs) Thanks for having the talks. Xi Jinping, you know, like thanks for having us over pal. Just to be clear though, right? Like this is all hopeless. Like, the real politic interests for Iran and Saudi Arabia to collide are just too strong. Like, Iran doesn't want nukes for the joy of having nukes. They want nukes because Israel has a better military than they do. Well, that's where I, I don't think it's doomed because Saudi Arabia has put themselves in a position to make a deal with both of them. You know, that's why they haven't joined the Abraham Accords, but allowed all of their satellite states to join them. Like oh, Yemen and UAE and all that, they don't they don't hop onto this plan unless Daddy Saudi Arabia says it's okay. Well, if Daddy Saudi Arabia says it's okay, it's because they plan to join too, but they're holding off on doing that and using it as leverage with Iran to say, you know, it would be worse than you versus them. It's both of us versus you. And you don't want that. You don't want that. So how do you prevent that? We work things out and then I don't make that deal with them, but we're cool. You, you can just not like them. That's fine. But you're not pursuing nukes anymore. So you fuck with each other in Syria all day long in Lebanon. Do your thing. Right. I understand. Not, you're not getting off it. Isn't that just too bad though? Like the the odds of Israel and Iran shooting at each other. If Iran doesn't have a nuclear threat is just, it's just so high. I mean, they're going to engage in low-level conflict regardless of if Iran has a nuke or not. In fact, I... They they have been. Like, Israel blew up a bunch of Iranians, like, a week ago. I honestly think that if Iran clearly detonates a test nuke, you'll see a whole all-in air campaign against every asset that the Mossad has targeted in that country and try and set it all the way back as far as they can like before they're like before whatever weapon they have is really deployable. Sure. They have a, like an absolute advantage and, and be able to assert their will in one big strike. They'll do it. That was my conclusion when I was like, Hey, Iran wants nukes. Should I sleep at night? Oh yes. I, Israel will blow them all up if they get too close. Okay. We're good. That, that was, <laughs> that's how that goes. Iran going for a nuke relies on Israel not being serious about inflicting unilateral pain upon them for doing so. And I, I just think that all all Israel does is con- make sure they constantly remind everyone that that's exactly what they're willing to do. And that's just where they have to be geopolitically is just constantly every few months, <laughs> you've got to read about how we've been fucking with them because otherwise they'll think we've gone soft. And that we're not paying attention, our eyes not on the ball, and we're not willing to go all in on this. And it's it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all develops 
particularly in light of uh did you see the intelligence links that came out no oh, oh. The, the u.s leaks yeah like about ukraine yeah about all kinds of stuff okay. um you'll have to educate me a little bit then it was i believe primarily about ukraine but it had to do with like a lot of our ability to control to collect intelligence we apparently have every level of russia's military machine completely penetrated we know when they're going to launch cruise missiles and at what and at what time we know all of their deep plans on their deployment and how they're going to try and confront Western armor and what units are where, like we are, they are literally playing face up in front of us. I like the idea that, uh, the Russian military command is just a bunch of CIA operatives who think, who don't know that everyone else is. So they're like planning attacks to try to keep their cover, but also sabotaging them. (laughs) that there's nobody in the Russian military that's actually trying to win. <laughs> that is out of a comedy sketch. But yes, that was obvious in February when we're like, hey, this is what Russia's going to do tomorrow. And then they're like, uh, I guess we'll wait a week to pretend that they didn't have that clocked exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been clear for, for over a year that we've have undeniably perfect intelligence about the Russians, but apparently some of the details about how that was collected was in the leak, which is not what you want them to know, right? Like you don't, you want them to continue to just blunder into whatever the fuck we're doing to be able to watch them so perfectly. Uh, So that's a problem. Uh, But they also said that this, the biggest issue they have is that they're, Ukrainians are close to running out of all of the available Eastern European um, Soviet era artillery supplies, artillery and missile supplies. Yeah. Which is why apparently like the refusal of like Brazil, like some people that still had some stocks. We were like South Korea that we were really putting a lot of pressure on them. decided that didn't want to or refused really pissed us off. Apparently not like, we know we really need you to do this. Like we, no one has the capacity to manufacture any of this. We can't go to the factory and make more S 300 rockets. That doesn't, that's not a thing that exists. There's only the amount of S 300 rockets that are on our side of the line. And that's all we barely know how to get them in service. So like, that's the, the big issue with like having to give them Western equipment. And so that we can also then give them ammunition for Western equipment. (laughs) No, that, Um, that totally tracks. Like, you constantly hear about how we don't have the capacity to produce arms at scale. We just have a handful of very advanced weaponry, but there's not the supply chains to really ramp up. Like Raytheon can make a handful of boutique, nice, very finely crafted stuff, but there's not. Right. Cause no, that's all there's nobody. Like, there's a reason it's all Soviet era stuff that's being shot at each other on both sides is you just can't, there's no, all the at scale industry is no longer in the first or second world in the original sense of those terms. And, and this is part of like the whole France thing, which is where we were going earlier with that conversation, which is, you know, China got these little dubs in the middle East and they like, and then you had Macron go over there and talk about how, like maybe we won't get involved if China like makes a move on Taiwan like, don't worry, France. We weren't expecting you to get involved. <laughs> we knew you would just sit there and and not involve yourself. We knew that. We realized we're on our own. Maybe UK, maybe Australia slash New Zealand. Especially definitely them. Japan. Definitely Japan. Like, we'll all be involved. But no, you just chill. We, we. <laughs> we got I, it. I, I like... I semi-regularly remember that France has an aircraft carrier and is surprised. It's just not a country that you think of when you think of, like, countries that can project force across distance. Because all they do with it is, like, fuck around in Africa. Yeah, it's just... It's, <laughs> like, it's, it's there is, like, a live demo for their selling weapons plat. Like, they use it to fly aircraft 
to show that the aircraft works so that they can sell the aircraft to other random countries that actually shoot at each other. Like France is a weapons merchant on the global scale. That's 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 what they do. Yeah, they, and they have the foreign legion to drop into Cameroon or whatever the hell it is that they're doing in there. Like they they they've got their little piece of the of the world that they used to be the in charge of that they tend to still intervene in unilaterally. And and that's it. That's all they do. Like the UK has still runs two aircraft carriers out there. Like But they mean it. Like yeah. they those aircraft carriers could really shoot at things. <laughs> it's very clear difference. That could shoot back. They did a bunch of military exercises around Taiwan. We were like, oh, we're totally going to take it by force with our two Soviet-era aircraft carriers <laughs> that we sort of put together that can't really run a lot of planes off it yet. And no amphibious assault ships of any kind. Against like, an island nation that's done nothing but prepare for this eventuality for 60 years. War is hard, especially if you've never done it before. Um, I... I'm glad I, I speaking of me sleeping better at night, uh, your take about, yeah, an invasion of Taiwan would absolutely fail and it's not close. And it's funny that people keep stressing about it. It's like, yep, that's exactly right. That's it's hard to do war. It's really hard to do amphibious assaults. It's really hard to do amphibious assaults. You know, people keep hyping up China's anti-ship missiles as the counter to our like aircraft carriers. You know it's an even tar- softer target than an aircraft carrier for an anti-ship missile? Amphibious aircraft. Those, those ships are big and squishy. Those are real soft targets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. Well, especially because if you could summarize the Chinese plan to defeat Taiwan, it's to surround it with the Navy they have, which is mostly antique torpedo boats and you know deny passage of any commercial traffic to the island and then just have all of their dudes get into boats and beach them as the the chinese plan to take taiwan assumes seven digit casualty numbers seven digit on their side alone like that's priced in just for context, how many casualties roughly has each side faced in the Ukraine war so far? Total casualties from both sides uh, would be like three times that. And that's how many that's what they would expect in terms of casualties for the Chinese. You know what happens before seven figures of casualties happen? Armies Mut- mutiny. Mutiny. <laughs> would help. Like we're on the fifth or sixth one of those transports that just gets fucking shot out of the sea. You know, like like you said, they're pretty soft targets, you know, and that's all you've got. Well, especially the little dinghies. I was talking about about the big landing ships that the, 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 the tanks come out of, the big steel ones, not the little boats. It's like I'm sure they've got some high tech weapons that'll that'll offer some shock and awe here and there, and then they're going to get absolutely hammered. And then that that's not even counting the U.S.'s intervention, which just makes it over immediately. Well, you you've seen in Ukraine, you know, because the the one thing that could make it work is just total air superiority, right? Like, if you suppress the bunker that's shooting at the little ships or the the platforms that are shooting the missiles at the big ships, if you can shut those down from the air while doing an airborne assault at the same time as all your amphibious stuff, like, that could work. But the that was exactly what they said in Ukraine in, in February was Ukraine doesn't have an air force and Russia's air force can just fly sorties at will. That has not happened. Russian sorties exist, but they're at a very small scale. Yeah. It's, and it's hard. Sams are good. Portable Sams are really good. Yeah. Like you, can't, you, you can't risk a, the, the amount of the, the equipment or the pilot on anything less than high importance targets when just some schlub with a $10,000 javelin can, or a stinger uh, can put him out because yep. he's flying a big 28 and that stinger's built literally to shoot it down. This has been battlegrounds with HR McMaster. Thank you for listening. <laughs>
I, you know, I, it would, the, I would recommend checking out some of the sources that have gone through the, the leaked docs because I, I know that like the leak is probably a, a net negative for, you know, the U.S.'s day, I guess. But it yeah, is might so some, might have gotten some sources killed. Yeah, but like it's really comforting in a weird way to see just how good we are at this. Like how much we know, how well we know it, why why we know it so well. You know, like we we just are mat. We are so the masters of information and war that it's it requires this level of leak to sometimes happen. So you can be like, oh god, we're good. <laughs> we're real good. Russia's a near peer. We're literally like reading all their emails, listening to all their phone calls. We're in all of their senior staff meetings. We know exactly what they're going to do, when they're going to do it. We can plan the effect of their offensives better than they can and comment on how their plans are worse. <laughs> Did the leaks have any uh, indications as to how much of that coverage we have in China? Was it was that were there like indications that this level of penetration in Russia is exceptional for our uh, or is there like we, the leaks would have included just as much information about China if our intelligence agencies had it? Do you have a sense of sorry if that question's not clear, but what I would say is they don't talk about China in what I've seen people talk about. It's really focused on Ukraine. Um, but what is in there could broadly be applicable to ways they're also spying on China potentially. Like there are like mechanical intelligence gathering discussions that probably are of cross purpose. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's, I guess if that's the case, it was more SIGINT than I expected. I, I just yeah. figured we, the, like we had people in place. There's a lot of SIGINT stuff in okay. there that apparently technological penetration, like deep technological penetration, not human sources. Okay. And you know, that's awesome. That <laughs> It's gotten that good, right? Like, but it doesn't mean like we've given away some of the game, which is never what you want to do. Like say if a passenger plane spots the balloon and forces us to admit that we knew it was there and feeding it was we're feeding it whatever information we felt like feeding it. We've been good at calling some takes. Let's take a second to appreciate ourselves. Remember, remember uh, when I talked about uh, that 2024 was really about Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis. Yeah, and not because Gavin Newsom's running, but because Gavin Newsom needed Biden to win, which meant he needed Trump to win the nomination. So that's that's all been happening. That's been playing out exactly as you have foreseen, my emperor. <laughs> like to a T, every beat, boop, boop, boop. I, I, I couldn't have gotten it more correct. Uh, and it is, I, I will say, somewhat gratifying to see people I follow catching on to this like months after I was on it, you know, months after I recorded, like I put my fucking flag down and said, this is exactly what's happening and why. So pat on the bat here. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give myself a, I, I, I saw the code on that one. Um, I can, I can verify that he did in fact pat himself on the back. Yes. It was and just as self aggrandizing as you're imagining. <laughs> And then yeah, you called it on the on the balloon. You know, probably just as we as we were talking about, you said like balloons are quaint. We were shipping it whatever we wanted them to know. Because that's how the game is played. And then we got caught playing games because they were playing games. We both had to eat ass. (laughs) That's what happened. Quaint is a good word. All right, well thanks thanks for listening to replacement level morality. GG's all around. We'll talk to you again. Talk to you again later.